Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom After two births in the system, Jamie planned a free birth with her third child. Due to an autoimmune condition, she chose to still seek industrial prenatal care, and it's soon revealed that Jamie's pregnant with twins. She continues on with both obstetrical care and plans to stay home when her birthing time came. At 36 weeks, she was surprised by the start of labor and ecstatically gave birth to her children. Jamie also shares about the choice to transfer into the hospital after the birth and the discovery of one of her children needing medical support. So with my first, I lived in Austin, Texas, and Anyone who's been to Austin or knows Austin knows that they have like a pretty amazing birth community. So going into it, I decided to have a home birth with my first. And I had all these amazing options for midwives. So I had a midwife assisted home birth with my first and it was perfect. There's really nothing, you know, that stands out that I look back on and say, Hey, I wish I hadn't done that. Or I wish this didn't happen. Or it was nice. Yeah. For my first pregnancy, I just, I had a beautiful pregnancy. It was easy. And then I went and had a two hour precipitous birth, which looking back on it was kind of a little traumatic during the experience because, you know, those who have had precipitous births know that it's something that happens to you. It's not really something you ex- you experience. So having that as my first birth, it was nothing like I imagined. I, you know, had read birth stories <sighs> and was like, okay, it's going to be like eight, nine hours, maybe longer. Like it, it's going to be this whole experience. And literally my water broke and two hours later, I was holding my first baby. <laughs> That's nuts. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, I appreciate kind of that distinction of it like happening to you because you don't even have time to, especially with your first, to wrap your head around. Like you think you're, there's going to be stages of labor and all of this stuff. Wow. 
Yeah, that's not what happens. You just, my water broke and I was in transition and then all of a sudden I had a baby. And I remember being in the experience thinking, this is not right. Like, what is wrong? Like, what is happening? And kind of the pivotal moment of the experience was my midwife. She kind of grabbed my face in her hands and looked at me and said, you're safe. You're okay. Like, you can do this. You're doing it. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, I can do this. And, you know, it was fine. And the experience was so beautiful. And, you know, even mm. though it was a little, you know, wild, it, it didn't leave me with any sort of, you know, trauma or anything like that. Um, so it was such an amazing, you know, intro to birth, I guess. And it kind of pivoted my whole life pretty much. How so? Um, what do you mean? So after her, I was so interested in birth. It just kind of opened that door into you know, learning about it and being immersed in it. And I became a doula Mm. and I became a placenta encapsulator. And now I'm a student midwife, actually. Um, And it's just become my whole life at this point is just birth and babies and, you know, everything in between. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then I had my second. And with my second, we had moved and unfortunately, where we moved, you know, I moved back home. The midwives are much more expensive here because the cost of living is higher. So I had my second and we couldn't afford the home birth midwife. So I started planning an unassisted birth. And it's like, well, my baby's come out fast, so I might as well stay home anyway. Mm. But my partner, unfortunately, did not feel comfortable with it. And part of me wanted to just kind of, you know, steamroll him like I have the tendency to do and just be like, well, I'm doing it anyway. But I tried to be really compassionate to him. And, you know, he just, he, it wasn't that he didn't support me. He just really felt uncomfortable with it. So I found midwives, CNMs that deliver in the hospital. I said, you know what, I can just show up and have the baby. It's not a big deal. You know, at this point, I'm very knowledgeable. I know how to kind of advocate for myself and I've given birth before so it didn't feel too terrible it was pretty terrible like but it didn't ruin everything it it was hard for me to accept because I had had that beautiful home birth experience and now I knew I was going into the hospital at this point I had supported people in the hospital and yeah and looking back on it I wish I hadn't done it oh yeah I I wish I had just because I had another precipitous birth with my second, my water broke and he was born exactly an hour later. Oh my God. So I remember being in the bathroom. I had a total of like maybe like nine contractions with him. I, I remember sitting in the bathroom and just going, I should just stay home. And I thought about locking the door to the bathroom. <laughs> like oh I'm sitting there going, I should just stay home. And my partner was like, all right, well, he's all ready. He's in the truck. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go. And it was a beautiful experience. I had a wonderful birth with him. It's kind of a whole funny story. Like it included me almost giving birth in, you know, the triage because no one believed me. And some orderly swooped in and literally took me from the nurse. Like she was being so aggressive and so nasty. And the orderly is like, she's going to have a baby and just like put me in a wheelchair. And I remember running to labor and delivery. And the nurse like in the hallway, like, where are you going? And I had him, I walked into maternity and I 
said, I'm going to push now. And they're like, please don't. I'm like, well, I'm going to do it. And I just <laughs> kind of waddled into a postpartum room and just pushed my nine pound, 13 ounce baby out. You know, I, there was no interventions. I had no IV. I had no monitoring, no anything. It, it was, it was a good experience, you know, for being in the hospital, but it wasn't ideal for me. But I don't, I still don't look back on it and say, oh my God, I'm traumatized from that. I just kind of accepted it for what it was. It was in that phase of life. That was what was happening for us, you know? And, uh, but that experience kind of opened my eyes to free birth because I planned one. My whole pregnancy with him, I planned to have an unassisted birth. Oh. So I was going to these CNMs and saying in my head, I'm going to have this baby at home by myself. And then it was kind of in the moment where I was like, all right, we'll just go. You know what I mean? Like it opened the door for that planning and my uh -huh. mindset to open up to having a baby by myself. So I always say that the twins birth is four years in the making because my son is four years older than them. Uh -huh. So then I continued to do four years worth of planning. And then I was given twins, which, you know, what a wild experience to have as your first free birth is two babies instead of one. Mm -hmm. But I went into the experience feeling so prepared because I had been planning it for so long. So I am now remarried. I am not with the, the father of my first two children. So my partner now is a whole different person. So this isn't a story of me finally convincing that partner. It was, I gotcha. now have a new one. And he is wild. Out with out the old. <laughs> so he, my, my husband is wildly supportive of pretty much everything nice. I do. So we started trying to have a baby. It took a long time. And the whole time we were trying, I had explained to him, you know, kind of what my ideals were. And I really wanted to have a wild pregnancy and then just have a free birth because it just felt what was right for me at this stage in my life with my knowledge and everything I've learned and kind of where I'm going, you know, cause midwives are still very expensive here. You know, I, you know, I totally believe in supporting you know, birth workers and they deserve to be paid and everything. I just don't have the money. You know what I mean? It's not against our midwives. I love our midwives. Um, so we finally get pregnant and I'm so sick. I'm five weeks pregnant and I'm sick, like throwing up everything I eat. I can't keep water down. So I called the CNMs that I had seen with my son. And I said, can you see me? Like, maybe you can send me to get fluids or something. I just, I feel like I need help. Like, uh. I did not have this with either of my first two. So we go around seven weeks and my midwife asked to kind of check my belly. And I say, sure. She, she just kind of palpated me. And I was in so much, not pain, but I was very uncomfortable. Like, it hurt to push on my belly. So she's like, can I just do a quick scan? I want to make sure that the pregnancy is in the right place. And that was a totally valid request. And I said, sure. And I had known from the time the pregnancy tested dry that I was having twins. I kept saying to my husband, I'm like, honey, there, I think there's two in there. He's like, no, shut up. Oh my 
Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, shut up. Stop. Wait, so just total intuition or also, I mean, you know stuff. So also probably the the flag of how sick you were, I would it assume. It wasn't even a symptom thing. It was my intuition. Really? And it was funny yeah. because I had been, I had left a previous job and I had gotten rehired at another place and I had emailed the manager and said, hi, I appreciate the opportunity so much. Mind you, I'm six weeks pregnant. I have no idea. I emailed them and said, I appreciate the opportunity. I would love to join your team, but I just very, you know, unexpectedly found out I'm pregnant with twins. So I tell this manager I'm pregnant with twins. I have no idea I'm pregnant with twins. But I just well obviously you do. (laughs) I knew and I I the job wouldn't have worked with a potential, you know, multiple pregnancy that I probably would have not been able to complete the season because I was a, a bartender uh-huh. and it's this whole, if you work in the service industry, you know how it goes. So I didn't want them to put the time and energy into me only being able to work for five months. So I told this stranger that I was pregnant with twins before I even knew I was pregnant with twins. So we go, the midwife asked to do the scan and sure enough, there's two little babies in there. And I literally, my husband is just white in the face. And I look at him and I laugh and I say, I told you. <laughs> wow. So this kind of changed the whole course of my plans because then I had to really dig deep and see if I wanted to do a wild pregnancy with twins. And we talked about it. And again, the comfort level of my husband did come into play because he did tell me, you know, I support your birthing choice 100%, but I just want to make sure the babies are okay leading up to that point. And I thought about it and, you know, we kind of stepped back and we took ourselves away from the midwives and everybody and we really thought about it. And I decided that I felt more comfortable having some care during pregnancy. So... We got set up with the midwives and they had us do co-care with a maternal fetal medicine doctor because that's who they send out their ultrasounds to because they don't do ultrasounds. So I also have an autoimmune um, condition called Sjogren's, which can cause a congenital heart block in pregnancy. That was my only concern and really why I went into it saying, maybe I should have some care. I trust myself to give birth to these babies, but I want to make sure everybody's okay going up to that. So we had a pretty uneventful pregnancy. If you ask the MFMs, we had these whole flags here, there, and the other because they're trained to see the abnormal, so they don't really see the normal. So every time we went to an ultrasound, something was wrong with one of the babies And I just, my poor husband being a first time father, now he's expecting twins as his first. He's like freaking out. And I just kept telling him like, I'm telling you there's nothing wrong with these babies. I feel it like in my soul, like they're fine. And the whole pregnancy was fine. Everyone, you know, I sought care with my chiropractor who was so excited and so supportive for me. Um, and it was pretty much uneventful. I went to the beach every day. It, it was really a good experience for twins, you know. But I will say that being pregnant with twins compared to one, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. It just it's, sounds 
like twice as hard. <laughs> yeah, it's very heavy, yeah. very slow. When you've been pregnant with one, especially if you have you know an easy, uneventful pregnancy, you're just used to doing all the things. You mm-hmm. just go about your life. You just kind of have a little bit extra weight in the front. You know, you you nest and you clean and you do all the things. And, you know, I went to the beach every day with both my kids. And this time I was just heavy and slow and everything was so hard. And I love being pregnant. And I, there were so many times where I just sat on my bed and I cried and said, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Aww. And I had never felt that I would be, I was like 29 weeks pregnant going, I can't do this. It just felt so hard at times. And sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was easy and, you know, beautiful. But, you know, I, I got through it and I expected to go to 40, 41 weeks. You know, I really did. Both my kids came, you know, post guest day. And, you know, my son was almost 42 weeks when he came. And I expected to just go forever. I, you know, was telling everyone around me, you know, they're, they're like, slow down. Don't, you know, you can't go to the beach anymore. Like you need to relax. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to be pregnant forever. Like it's fine. And my babies came at 36 and four. (laughs) And it was a pretty, you know, I was not prepared at all. I was prepared in the sense I had all the things, but mentally I was not ready to give birth. You know, I wanted to be pregnant much longer than that. Wow. What was the first flag of of labor starting? How did you know? So I had a birth photographer for my birth as well as my doula, who is one of the most amazing women. She is fully supportive of free birth. She, you know, is so supportive of just women and birthing people in general. You know, that's why we hired her. So the whole time I had been preparing these two for my birth being quick, like my water breaking, hurry up, get over because twins in themselves tend to be precipitous. They tend to come very quickly for most people. I guess just the weight of the babies pressing on your cervix, you're just pretty much always way dilated when you first go into labor. So I had been preparing them and my husband, everyone, you know, we got to hurry, hurry, hurry. I was just in my mind saying, I hope I have a longer labor this time. I hope everyone can make it. I just, I envision this whole experience in my head. All I was asking for was like a three hour labor. <laughs> That's all I wanted. So that Monday, you know, I was 36 and three. My water broke at 5 a.m. I thought I dreamt it. I woke up and I was like, did I dream that? And then I thought I was wet, but I, it was a little bit. So I thought I had just peed myself. So I went to the bathroom and I'm like, oh, I just peed myself. It's fine. So I laid back down and it happened again. It was like little gushes. And my first two had broken like movie theater, you know, movie style water breaking. It was like pop. And then all this fluid gushed out. This was like little. So I'm like, I don't know what this is. So I put a pad on and I stood next to my bed for maybe like 15 minutes and it just kept coming out. I'm like, Oh, my water broke. So I wake my husband up. He like jumps up in the air and he's like, got his hands out. He's like ready to catch a baby. He thinks like one's <laughs> flying out. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> he's like, what do I do? Yeah. Cause I'm wondering a thought I'm having is like with someone in theory, planning a precipitous labor, are you kind of staying homebound? Like, I feel like I would be afraid to go anywhere because if you're like too far from home, 
I don't know if you have like an hour long labor. Some people, yes. I never did. I trusted my body. And you thought you were going to stay pregnant like another month too, right? So it wasn't on your radar. It was funny because my friends that we were like, we're not going to the beach with you. Like we have too many kids. We can't deliver babies and watch all 12 of our kids all at the same time. Like there, like no one would do anything with me that week. I was like, I'm fine. Um, so yeah, when I think some people, they kind of start being homebound, but I just never did because I trusted my body to go into labor when it felt the safest, you know, just with my son, I had just put my daughter down for bed. Mm. I had come out, sat on the couch, was relaxing. Mm-hmm. And that's when my water broke. So I just kind of trusted my, with my daughter. I had just gotten home from going to the store. I, I just trusted my body. So I never really felt the need to stay home or close to home. But like, I don't really go anywhere anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, not an issue. Okay. So yeah. you realize your water br- has opened and your husband's like ready to football catch. <laughs> yeah. He's like got like his mitts on. He's like ready. That's funny. So I laugh at him. I'm like, relax, like calm down. So he starts like rushing around. He's like cleaning all things. And he's like, should I put the birth pool up? I'm like, nah, like not right now. So I'm calling my, my children's father. I tell him that, you know, obviously he's been through this experience with me. I tell him my water broke and he's supposed to bring, I'm supposed to go pick up the kids because it's Monday morning. So I tell him my water just broke, you know, can you just drop the kids off to me? And he says, you know, I can figure out how to keep them. You know, he has a girlfriend, you know, maybe Amanda can stay home. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I just, for some reason, I wanted them home. I was like, you know, just bring them home. And my kids are older. They're seven and four at the time this is happening. So they're not little babies. So he drops them off and I'm sitting on the bed and I'm going, what is happening? I realize an hour and a half has gone by and I've had not (laughs) a single contraction, not one. I'm like, I'm confused. Like, what is what is going on? Maybe my water didn't break. So I'm calling my doula, who I've woken up from a dead sleep at this point. And I tell her my water breaks. She goes, okay, well, you know, she does the whole doula speech, you know, maybe just take a rest, you know, eat something, stuff like that. So then we just spent the day kind of like pacing and cleaning and doing all the things because nothing happened nothing I'm leaking water like a ton I'm literally my mind is blown at how much is coming out of me and no baby is following it's just you know pad after pad and I'm just you know trying to figure out why nothing is happening and I don't I didn't want to do all this stuff to get myself going because I don't want to be tired you know, I know tell, I'm telling clients this a million times over. Oh, just let it happen, you know, because you don't want to be tired for the experience because you spend all day doing, you know, walks and, you know, the mile circuit and all this other stuff. Plus, the only the only reason you think it's weird or peculiar is just simply that it's not following the pattern you've personally known. So, yeah, of course, this this is only you know, for me, my experience, because I've had two babies, had my water break. And a couple hours later, I was holding my baby. For anyone else, I wouldn't think it was weird. You know, you sometimes your water breaks and, you know, two days later, you have a baby. It it was, it was only weird for myself. Mm -hmm. So I had, 
told my husband, I said, I feel like these babies are trying to switch positions. So this was kind of a weird experience for me because I had had ultrasounds. I knew who was who. So I knew where the babies were. I knew their movement patterns. I, I You get accustomed to them because you can see them in front of you. You know, had I not had ultrasounds, I would have had no idea what was happening. But, you know, I kind of got this feeling that someone was trying to like switch. So all day I'm like, what are these babies doing in there? Like I would just feel random pressure. So finally I call my chiropractor and I say, can I get adjusted? Like maybe that'll help things. So I go to the chiropractor, she adjusts me and she tells me, you know, these babies are high. They're not engaged. They're floating around in there. You know, you probably got to tomorrow, the next day. I'm like, oh no. (laughs) At this point, I just want these babies to come out. I'm like, okay, we're like, I've never done this before. Like it had this like time lapse in between. So I spend the day with kids. We go for a walk. They set up the birth pool. My husband insists on filling it. My kids are swimming in it. And I'm just sitting on the birth ball, kind of just like existing at this point. I take a couple naps. I eat a lot of food. You know, I just lived my life for the day, wondering when my babies were going to come. So all day, my husband had been saying it was August 31st. Both of my kids' birthdays are in September. All day, my husband's like, okay, they're going to be born August 31st. Like, they're going to have their own birthdays, you know. He kept going on and on about the date. Sure enough, at 12 that night, September 1st, I woke up to a contraction. I was like, was that one or did I make that up? So I stood there for a second and I was like, oh God, like that, that's a contraction. That's a real one. So I woke him up and I laughed and I said, honey, you went on and on about these babies being born in August and now they're purposely going to be born in September because you wouldn't leave it alone. <laughs> so now it's September 1st and I'm in labor. So I call everybody and I'm so worried about them coming. Like, I'm like, I hope they make it. My husband's like pacing around. He has no idea what to do with himself. He's, you know, I'm looking at the birth pool going, well, now we have a pool of cold water yeah. because it's been full all day. So I immediately noticed that things are getting very intense quickly, which I expected, you know. So my husband was so wonderful and so supportive. He never left my side. Although he was busy doing things, he was always there still somehow. You know, he rubbed my back and my shoulders and he was so kind and compassionate. And it was very different from my first two because I didn't have that, you know, that partner was not that way. But also my labors were so quick. Yeah. I wouldn't have even noticed if anyone was doing anything for me, to be honest. But this experience, it felt so intentional and so calm and peaceful. And I just kind of knew that, you know, it was right and everything felt good and normal and, you know, beautiful. So I vaguely remember my doula and my birth photographer coming within maybe like 10 minutes of each other into the door. And we had my doula there just for my husband. I had never had a doula. I didn't have her there really for any other reason but to support my husband. Because I knew if things went quickly, he wouldn't have anyone to be, you know, 
sitting back and saying, this is normal, you know, that was really the only reason she was there. And she fulfilled that need so perfectly. She sat back and she just watched us, you know. Plus, it's just nice to have an extra pair of hands. That was the other thing, knowing we were going to have two babies. My husband Mm -hmm. had never held a baby before. I didn't know if I was going to be able to have, you know, be able to guide him and hold two babies at the same time. So really having her there with extra hands was, you know, really great because I knew that I would have at least two people to hold a baby (laughs) and there was two babies. So it made sense. So she really just sat back and watched us. She helped kind of heat the birth pool, which they kind of did on their own. They kept boiling water and filling it up. So at this point I'm laboring kind of just on my birth ball and the contractions were pretty close together, maybe like three, four minutes. And they were very, you know, strong, very strong. And it felt a little different because I uh, had never, you know, had, you know, two babies in there and went, even Braxton Hicks with twins are way stronger. All my pregnancy, I had Braxton Hicks and it would take my breath away and I'd have to stop and kind of breathe through them. It, It wasn't painful or anything. It's just so intense, the pressure, because there's your uterus is wrapping around so much baby. So this is kind of how the contractions felt. They just felt so intense and so tight. And I had to really breathe through them. And according to everyone, I was pretty quiet. I didn't, I just kind of hummed. I hummed myself when they started. And going into labor, I had been going on and on about, you know, them switching and before the contractions had started I had woken up and I felt this pressure I thought it was a contraction at first but it kind of just lasted it was this strong pressure and I was like what is that and I was just sitting there going oh my goodness and I thought about it and I was like I think they just switched because when my baby B had gone head down I had felt the same kind of intense feeling it was just a lot of pressure for a long period of time it was like a couple minutes and then the next time we had checked on them they were both head down so this was kind of a similar you know feeling and I really thought in my my head like my baby's just switched so this is kind of interesting because you know as things escalated and they were born I looked back on that and I was able to really believe that they had switched so I'm laboring and, you know, I kind of got up and I said, you know, maybe I'll try the pool because I had had my daughter in the pool and it was such a beautiful experience and it was so calming and the water felt so nice. And I'm such a water person. You know, I spent my whole pregnancy floating around the ocean. I feel really connected to the water. So I get in the pool and I immediately hate it. Literally hate it. I have never felt in my mind such a strong hatred towards something. And I felt bad because they had spent so long warming the water up for me. So I floated back and forth and I was kind of staring. I had birth affirmations and I was kind of staring at them. And I just kept thinking in my brain, like this sucks. (laughs) So I looked at my doula and I kind of wanted confirmation that it was okay for me to hate it. So I looked and I said, do you think I should get out of the pool? (laughs) And she just kind of stared at me like, yeah, maybe, you know, you should try something else. And I was like, okay, cool. I was so excited that she agreed with me. 
So I get out of the pool and I, my husband takes me to the bathroom. And I, every time I went to the bathroom, I would sit on the toilet and the pressure was so intense. And it was kind of in that moment, you know, every time I would go to the bathroom where I would sit there and go, nah, nah, I'm not doing this because the toilet kind of opened up to your pelvis and I could feel the babies pushing down. And that was my quiet moment to really doubt myself and not want to participate, <laughs> which most people go through that, you know, they, they often, they don't want to do it. So the time after I had gone to the bathroom and gotten out of the birth pool, I stood up and I was like, oh, okay, this is really happening. And I walked into the hallway and my husband just sort of held me and, you know, I'm dripping wet. I'm getting everything wet. You know, we have towels over top of us. And I'm just standing there and I looked at him and I said, please tell me I can do this because I cannot do this. And at this point, it's only been, I guess, two hours or so. And it felt like forever. We're at the point where I've never labored longer than this. And it felt like I've been in labor for days. In my my brain, I'm just thinking, I need this to end because it feels like forever. I can't do this. And... I just stopped in the hallway and that was it. I couldn't go anywhere. I was just kind of stuck. So my doula Shay put a chair in front of me so I could at least lean on something. And I was just standing there and my husband was pushing on my hips. And I just kind of dug deep at that point. And I started talking to my babies and looking back on it, the talking to my babies was my coping mechanism for this labor. I just started telling them, you know, babies, I need you to come out, you know, we have to do this together. I just, you know, hi, baby, you know, you can come out now. We can do this, baby. And I kept rubbing my belly and just talking and talking and talking. And I kind of reached out. And this is kind of one of my favorite parts because it's really true that, you know, as women, we kind of need that support of other women during this experience. You know, you can totally do it by yourself. But there's something to say about having another woman there. And I had never had that besides my midwives. You know, I had never had such a strong bond with another human and have them in my space besides my partner. And I literally yelled her name. I said, Shay. And I just reached out to her. I needed her in that moment. I needed her to hold my hand and just assure me that I could do this. And she held my hand and she told me, you can do this. You know, you're, you're safe and you're doing it and you're fine. And these babies are going to come out. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, I kind of talked myself into it. And I was like, we can, you know, do this. And at this point, I'm in transition like hard. I all of a sudden feel nauseous. I feel hot. I'm sweating. I just, I went through the whole like normal motions of, you know, getting to that point where you're going to push a baby out eventually. So I kind of tried to go back to my birth ball. It just wasn't for me. I, I kind of paced around and I finally felt like I needed to kneel. I need, my legs were tired. So I kneeled and I leaned on the couch and Shay, this is the first time that she kind of hands-on support because in that before then I didn't really need her. So she started pushing on my back and it was so amazing. I had never had anyone like touch me in labor. You know, obviously my husband at this point had been, you know, rubbing my back and stuff, but she knew the spot, of course. So she pushes on my sacrum and it was so amazing. And I was able to rest. I did that pause that some people get before, you know, the active stage of pushing. 
So I'm leaning on the couch and I'm just resting my head in a pillow and it felt so nice. My contractions were spaced out. I was just kind of, you know, breathing through it and relaxing. And she was showing my husband how to push on my back. And I, I could vaguely hear her showing him, you know, how my, you know, sacrum and everything was raised. And, you know, she was explaining it to him. And I thought it was really sweet in the moment. You know, he was like touching it and, you know, it, it felt nice, you know, them just kind of having a moment between themselves while I rest. Hi, women. I'm Sparrow. I'm the creator of the online course, Body Full of Grace. In this course, I guide you through self-massage techniques to pinpoint and relieve pain, postural guidance to correct habits, daily stretches to create space and freedom, and movements and exercises to strengthen and align. I had a pain-free, wild, and radiant pregnancy utilizing everything I teach in this course. With every bone in my body, I wish the same for you. For more information, visit freebirthsocietycourses.com slash body full of grace. So all of a sudden in that moment, it hit me like a train. I needed to stand up. Like I needed, I couldn't do anything else but stand. So I stood up and I leaned against the arm of the couch. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a baby. And I felt her just kind of descend into my pelvis. And I had never really felt these things because it had happened so fast with my other two. So obviously I felt most of the sensations, you know, them crowning, you know, that kind of stuff, pushing them out, contractions. But this was so intentional of me breathing into it and just feeling every little bit of it. And I felt her come down. So I started talking to her and saying, okay, baby, you can come out now. And apparently while all this was happening, I was very quiet because nobody knew what was happening. They just saw me standing there and I was just kind of swaying back and forth and talking, you know, telling my baby to come out, telling her it was okay to come down and, you know, assuring her that she was safe and that I was there for her and my body took over and I started pushing you know I experienced you know the fetal injection reflex with both of my other two so I never actually pushed with either of them my body just took over and it happened again and I was you know very thankful for that so my body starts pushing and I just went with it and I had told Shay my doula with with my son I think because I was in a setting where I could have people to intervene in my birth. Although my body was pushing itself, I took over and kind of started pushing against that because I wanted that baby out really quick before somebody could touch me or do something I didn't want. It was, that was kind of that, you know, I was protecting myself. So I pushed against my body and because of that, I tore and I didn't tear with my first and my son was also a lot bigger than my daughter, but I knew that it was because I went against my body and I pushed forcefully to get him out. So I had had a tear. So I told my doula, don't let me push. If you feel like I'm, I'm going against my body, don't, you know, tell me what to do, but just remind me, you know, breathe like you, you wanted to breathe through this, but I didn't actually need her help because I just, I was very, you know, into it. I was like, okay, this is awesome. This feels great. Like, you know, my babies are coming down. So I just breathed through it. And it was maybe a couple contractions of my body pushing down. And I 
reached down and I felt her head right there. And I was just like so excited because I was doing this. I was having my babies in my home by myself with the people I really love there to support me. And, you know, I was going to meet one of my babies. So her head started to come out and I put my hand there and I was just kind of, you know, talking to her. And the next contraction, all of her just came out. I was kind of shocked myself and I literally shocked everyone around me. My birth photographer barely caught it, like the scene of her coming out because she had no idea that it was happening. So I reached down and I just caught her and I pulled her up to my belly and her cord was really short. So I just kind of held her on my belly and I just looked down at her and I was kind of shocked that I had had a baby. You know, even though you've done this before, you're like, oh my God, I just had a baby. So I'm holding, my husband's crying, like he's just so happy. And I'm looking down at this baby. And the whole time I was pregnant, baby B was kind of the wild baby. And she was always moving and always kicking. And, you know, we'd be on ultrasounds and she'd be beating the crap out of her sister. So we had had these these names picked out for these babies kind of based on their personality. Um so baby B had always been in my mind, Josie. So she came out and like I'd said, I thought they switched. She came out and I was like, this is my baby B. And I held her and I looked at my husband and I said, this is Josie. And he goes, I know. And it was just such a <laughs> sweet moment because we knew who this baby was and we had been you know, connected with her for so long. And she was so mad. She was crying. I, I was like, oh my goodness, I had never had a baby scream like this before. And she was so mad about it. And I held her and she just, you know, kept going on and on, but I knew she was healthy and, you know, everything. And it made me feel good to hear her cry. So I just kind of swayed with her on my belly and I got a little break. So we were able to, you know, I sat down for a minute, we looked at her, we talked to her. And then my contraction started again. So I'm holding this baby and I'm swaying back and forth. And I'm like, oh goodness, I have to do this again. You know, you kind of, and you probably hear this from twin moms who've had vaginal births. You forget that you now have to push another baby out. There's not just one. It's not a placenta coming. There's a whole nother human coming behind that first one. So I had to really get back into that mindset and say, okay, I guess I got to have another baby, you know? So the contraction started again. It's like they kind of, it's not a whole other labor for most people because most twins come pretty close together. You know, there are women who have, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours in between, but you know, most people, they have them pretty quickly together. So it's not like you go back to the first part and you gradually build up again. You're just right back in transition. So I'm having these, you know, solid contractions and I'm really having to breathe through them and I'm holding this baby but I was so attached to the idea of keeping her, you know, attached to her placenta, you know, until it came out. So my babies were die-die, which meant they had separate placenta, separate sacs, separate everything. So on our ultrasounds, we knew that they had separate placentas and everything. So I just, I wanted to keep her attached. I knew it was the best thing for her, safer, everything. So I'm laboring, holding this baby. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like my arms are so tired because I couldn't hold her up here by my chest. I had to hold her on my belly. So my arms are down, they're tired. This baby feels heavy for a twin. I'm like, this is a bigger baby. So I decide to kneel down kind of where I had been before next to the couch. And I just put her on the ground. 
So she's in between my legs and I'm laboring. You know, my husband's kind of checking in on her, you know, looking between my legs to keep an eye on her. And I just went right back into it. And I just got into that mindset. And, you know, you, you kind of, you don't go back to that point of being, you know, unsure if you can do it and that whole thing. You just, you're kind of past that at that point. So I just knew I had to just breathe through it and I could do this. And it felt like five minutes. It felt like one baby came out and then all of a sudden I was, you know, ready for the next one. But it it was actually, they were about 40 minutes (laughs) apart. So this baby, apparently, even though everyone was surprised by the first, this one, they were even more surprised. My doula said she just looked at me and I just had a baby in my hands because she, she, this baby was smaller but I remember, you know, feeling her come down and I just kind of got quiet and I just felt her and I felt the top of her head and I breathed really deep and I felt her head come out. And for some reason, this was the strangest thing. Her shoulders really hurt and she was tiny. So I don't know if she, you know, obviously no one really saw her. I don't know if maybe she was kind of slightly posterior and she had to do a real big twist or something. But her, I remember her shoulders hurt coming out which is kind of funny because she was a, a, almost a full pound smaller than the first it's baby. It's still a whole baby though. <laughs> it's still a whole baby. Yeah. So as she's turning, I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, I just tore. That's what mm. it felt like. It felt like that burning, you know, I felt like I had just tore and I was kind of bummed in that moment as I'm catching a baby. All I could think about was, oh crap, <laughs> like I really didn't want to tear. So this baby comes out into my hands and she's, as floppy as they come. She's completely white. She's completely floppy. She's, she's breathing and she has her eyes open. So I put her on my arms and I kind of tilted her head down so she could drain the fluid. And I just rubbed her back and I, you know, started talking to her and said, hi baby, you know, you're okay, baby. And I rubbed her back and I picked up a towel and I kind of rubbed her a little more and I turned her over to face me and just, you know, your instinct kicks in. You know, there's no fear in that moment. It's just my baby's not okay and she needs help. So I reached down, I put my mouth around hers and I just kind of sucked some of the fluid out and I just spit it on the ground. I wiped her face, I wiped my face and she looked up at me and she just cried. And it was just the best moment because I knew that she was safe and she was here and she just needed a little assistance in that moment. And she just looked up at us and she was just kind of quiet unlike her sister who was still screaming at this point. And, you know, she was just here and I just set her down on the ground and I looked down at these babies and I was so shocked that I had just given birth to two babies. And my husband's, you know, he's just beside himself. (laughs) He's like, you did it. Like you did it. And I was so shocked. And I just, you know, looked at them and said, I did it. (laughs) And they were just laying there looking up at me and I had given birth to two babies and it was just absolutely the most amazing, magical thing. And it was just easy. And there was no fear. There was no anything. There was no anyone checking on me that I just gave birth. And it was everything I ever thought I would need that birth Um. to be. So I asked my you know, birth photographer, what times they came, she told me. And I had had a four hour labor. It was four hours and 12 minutes from the first contraction to the second baby. And that was, that was all I wanted. I wanted a longer labor and birth, one that I could actually be a participant Uh in. 
I participated from the start to the finish and it was just so amazing to feel all those things that I didn't feel with my first yeah. two. Although I had beautiful births with them and I loved everything about their births. This just felt so different. So, you know, such an experience to be a part of. I want to hear a little bit about your your kind of... I don't know how to phrase it, like re-coming back to free birth when you find out that they're twins. And like you, you mentioned it briefly, just like, oh, you kind of had to reevaluate what kind of care you wanted and, and all of that. Because obviously, it goes without saying, it's one thing to choose free birth with a singleton that isn't, um, you know, socially... We're, we're in a culture, I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast knows that almost 100% of twin uh, deliveries happen surgically. It's incredibly hard to find uh, providers of any kind, including midwives who are willing or allowed or insured to, you know, fill in the blank to support multips. So um, it, it arguably c- could increase complications, you know, Blah, 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 blah. So I just want to hear a little bit more about that that choice because it's one thing to do it, yeah, as a third-time mom with a single baby, but to really double down and and choose this, you know, kind of in this whole nother layer, right? Um, around like risk benefit <laughs> assessment and 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 in the face of cultural um it's the right word, stigma, I guess, really. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Or, or or was it not a very complicated thing for you? And was it just like, yeah, it's all good. I'm not worried. I just want to hear what your process was like. So where we live, the regulations are home birth midwives cannot legally attend multiples or even VBACs mm-hmm. in our state. We also don't have an option of birth centers for multiples or VBACs in the state. Literally the only option once you see twins on that ultrasound is to give birth in a hospital. There's no, there's no way around it. That's it. You get one choice. And fortunately, because my midwives that I use with my second, they're all CNMs and they own their own practice. They are allowed to attend multiples, but they're under the care of an OB. So during my pregnancy, you know, obviously they had no idea I was planning this, even though I, they probably did know because with my second, you know, I went so long, I came in, I had a baby. The next day the midwife came to see me and she laughed and she goes, oh, we just assumed you had the baby and didn't call us. They knew me. They, they knew us. They, they knew my mindset. So the, the, probably the whole pregnancy, they had, they had some clue that I was just going to give birth at home. But so we're seeing them and the whole time they, you know, we're doing the routine, everything, you know, you got to do this test and this. And so you have to see an OB twice in your third trimester to be able to birth with them. So this is the OBGYN practice that would take over your care if you had a complication or you needed a C-section. So I did a telehealth meeting with one of them just to appease my midwives. So I didn't have to listen to them. And she had never met me. She didn't know who I was. She barely knew anything about my pregnancy. 
And the first five minutes of the conversation, she's talking about if and when I have a cesarean or breach extractions, which for people who don't know what that is, a breach extraction is when the provider puts their hand up into your uterus and pulls your baby out because they don't believe that a breech baby can come out on their own. So I have no idea who this woman is, and she's already talking about these interventions, and I we've never even met. She doesn't know anything about me. She's never asked my preferences. She's just projecting these protocols onto me already. And it, it was a pretty hard experience knowing I really wanted to bird these babies, you know, by myself at home while still seeking care because I'm in the system and I'm having to kind of protect myself the whole time. There, there was always someone saying, well, when you have a C-section, when this happens, you know, when the babies come early, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, none of that's going to happen for me. There, there was no doubt in my mind that this is what I was doing. I was having a free birth. You know, obviously I was seeking care to make sure I could do that, you know, and everyone was healthy. So as the weeks went on, I knew that this is what I was doing. So I had this whole system in my mind of people telling me, you're not going to do this because this is how twins are born. You know, everyone thinks twins come early. Everyone thinks they need, you know, time in the NICU. Like they're, because they're twins, they're born not breathing or something. But that's not true. So the whole pregnancy, I, you know, searched and searched for people who had given birth at home, even, you know, midwife assisted home births, you know, with twins in other states. I, you know, was on the Facebook forums and I found a really great group on Facebook for twins. And although it was a lot of women just planning on, you know, a vaginal delivery in the hospital, I still learned a lot from them. And I just read and researched of pretty much just people having twins come out of their vagina. Like I needed to know that this was a normal thing and it happened and there was no complications. And sure enough, it is, you know, they come out just fine, like a singleton. So that was kind of, you know, once I knew that I couldn't have a midwife attend my birth, my option was free birth. That was it. I was not going back to the hospital. I, that was not something that was going to work for me or my family and my husband was totally on board from the beginning. He never questioned me. He never, you know, thought maybe we shouldn't do this. He just, he knew that it was what we were going to do and it was good. And, you know, we were going to have an amazing experience. So I really, like you said earlier, I had to create my own option for these two babies because there was none, no other uh, option available for my mm-hmm. family. You know, it was free birth or in a hospital. And likely surgery. And I did have some, likely, you know, I would have had to fight to, you know, have these babies come out of my vagina. Yeah, because when you have a variation of normal within the system, they don't see it that way. You know, breach is just a variation of normal. It's just the way your baby is positioned, then they come out just fine. Um, So... I had been prepared for anything, but fortunately my babies were head down, which made everything, you know, even less complicated. It was just easy, straightforward. Um, I did have a few traditional midwives that did offer to come. That's nice. For the twins. But everybody lives so far and knowing my 
history of quick mm-hmm. laborers, nobody would have made it in time anyway. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? No one's going to come. So what's the point of investing into this person when, you know, although they want to be there, they probably won't. So it was just kind of, it made more sense to just, you know, continue on the free birth mm-hmm. path. So how has your healing been and and how's breastfeeding going if you're doing that? What's it what's it been like to have two little babies in the house? So I if it's okay with you, I just want to briefly touch on my postpartum because this is kind of a postpartum experience that probably a lot of twin moms that do give birth in the system experience. Um so after I gave birth, I did have a postpartum hemorrhage. We had been fully prepared for that because it is very common with multiples because what happens is your uterus is very stretched out. You give birth to two babies and your uterus is tired. And sometimes it doesn't effectively contract enough to stop your bleeding. It's very common. It happens maybe, you know, 50% of the time with twin moms. Um, and I'm talking twin moms who give birth at home. I'm, I'm, you know, we all know that postpartum hemorrhage in the hospital is a very different thing, you know, because they like to manage everything. So, you know, you may not have actually been hemorrhaging if you gave birth in the hospital. It may have just been them being on the more cautious side. But even, you know, twin moms that give birth at home, it is very common. It happens. So I did experience it. I couldn't, my body just wasn't strong enough to release the placenta. So what was happening is my uterus couldn't clamp around the placenta because I had two and they're big. And I just kept bleeding. And in my mind, I kept saying, okay, this this doesn't feel normal. It, this is not something I think I can manage on my own. Because every time I would try and push the placenta out, it was just clots, like softball size clots and a lot of them. And if you look at my birth pictures, you can see how much blood there is. And about an hour or so after the babies were born, I asked, you know, for, for my husband and my doula to help me in the, the pool because I thought maybe I could relax in there. You know, maybe it was just my body being tense and everything. You know, I was doing the tinctures. I was, do, you know, obviously I had babies attached to me. So it was hard mm. to just kind of even maneuver and I kept trying to nurse them but they just weren't interested they weren't ready so I thought maybe if I can get the placenta out I can get to bed and we can nurse and everything would be fine so I went in the pool for a couple minutes just because I was bleeding it was getting everywhere so then I told my doula okay just let's try to go to bed maybe maybe that'll help me so I guess I went to stand up. I don't know. I woke up on the floor to my husband rubbing my sternum going, hi, you fainted. And I just looked at him and said, did I? You know, it's kind of a weird thing. I thought I took a nap. Like, (laughs) I really did. So because I was bleeding so much and it just wasn't stopping and I was still experiencing probably contractions that were worse than when I was in labor because my body was trying so hard to get my placenta out. And it just wasn't happening. I made, I did transfer. Um, I decided to bring both babies with me, which going into it, if I knew I was transferring, I didn't plan to. I planned to leave them home. But for some reason, my intuition told me to bring them. 
So my parents came for my big kids, my poor big kids. They had slept through this whole big experience. They come out just in time for me to be bleeding everywhere, laying on the ground. And fortunately, my parents lived down the street. So they, they came and they were holding babies and big kids and everybody. So we did transfer by ambulance, which was this whole debacle that I'm not even going to get into. So I did go to the hospital and I brought the babies. And when, without going into too much, you know, medical, you know, stuff, it was discovered that my one twin had what's called polycythemia. So what polycythemia is, is she, she received too much blood and had too many red blood cells, which causes what they, you know, very, you know, technical term of sticky blood. So what happens is when their blood is so thick, they can't carry oxygen efficiently throughout their body. So this can unfortunately lead to complications such as stroke, you know, cardiac problems because you're not getting oxygen. If you don't get oxygen to your brain or your heart, it causes problems. So the reason they knew this was because one twin came out white and one twin was bright red, which when babies first come out, they're kind of white to begin with before they start to pink up. And I was so out of it that I didn't notice. But as they pinked up and we got to the hospital and I looked at them, it was like a cherry tomato to a sheet of paper. That's the color difference of the two of them. So that's how they, they found it. So without going into it, she, she had a very severe case of it and she did need to go to the NICU. So here I am. I just had the most amazing birth. It was so beautiful and magical and everything I needed it to be. And now I'm in the hospital with a sick baby. So I have one healthy baby who comes home with me right away. And uh, one baby who goes to the NICU at a different hospital. Oh, that's so hard. So I'm in, in a hospital with my baby. My husband has to leave. So I'm by myself. He takes that baby to the NICU and she was there for 12 days. Oh. So unfortunately, we didn't get the postpartum that we really wanted. And that was really hard. And it it really caused a lot of, uh, I don't want to say trauma, but it, it did cause a significant, you know, shift within me yeah. because I had a baby in a hospital that I couldn't hold. I wasn't able to hold her for eight oh. days because of the type of line she had for her um, IV. So... I can't nurse her. I'm not bonding with her. My husband is gone for 12 hours a day to be with this baby because I'm I'm not useful in the hospital. I need to be home with totally. a baby that can oh, nurse. so hard, Jamie. Oh. Yeah, so it was really hard. But fortunately, my twin B, Cecilia, she came out amazing besides her floppiness. She was perfect. You know, she transitioned wonderfully. She went right on the boob and that was it. She never had an issue. She was nursing wonderful. And she, you know, really brought my milk in for both sure. babies. So for this 12 days, I'm nursing one. I'm pumping on the other side every time. So it was, it was really exhausting. Mm. And I, even though this was happening, it's my body responded even after a postpartum hemorrhage, which can sometimes delay your milk. My body was just like, all right, let's do this. And I produce. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to. No, I was fine. just going to ask. So did, you got a blood transfusion? I did. Yes. Oh, so then you're rebuilding your blood yes. and you're bringing in your milk and you're separated from one of your littles. Oh, 
it was a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I did get a blood transfusion. They wanted to give me about three units because I lost a really significant amount of blood. But I settled for one because blood transfusions take a long mm-hmm. time to do. And I was like, I got to leave. I got a baby in another hospital. Oh. I got to go home. So he he was really great. The OB on call. He really comp- like he was like, okay, I get it. You, you need to be out of here. But I just don't feel safe with you leaving without this blood because that morning, you know, just getting up to go to the bathroom, I needed help. I was dizzy. I couldn't sit up and I didn't feel safe going back and forth from a hospital and being home with this tiny five pound baby without it. So I did get the blood transfusion, but then I'm recovering from birth and having to now not only is one baby in the hospital, but one baby's home, which I'm leaving every day because I would go for a couple hours to the NICU. So I'm driving when I'm not supposed to be driving. I'm, you know, pumping. I'm I'm doing all the things. I haven't seen my big my big kids were gone for two weeks because they stayed with their dad. And it was just it was not anything I planned for. And it was it was hard. It was really, really, really hard. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done is having to leave leave my baby every day and to see her like uh. that. To to choose to birth out of the system for these very reasons, and then now needing that system to help my baby because she was sick. She she couldn't. She didn't. She didn't eat for the first four days of her life. Because because of the protocol of this condition, they have to flush out their body with saline. So I'm seeing her hooked up to all the stuff. I can't nurse her. I can't hold her. I'm not giving her breast milk. I, it yeah. just felt so daunting. Mm-hmm. It was so it was it was tough, but we made it through. And now we have two babies at home. And thank thank God you're not recovering from surgery. I couldn't imagine. Like with everything you just described, and if if it was always, you know, let's say it was always going to be like this, right? Like if we had known in hindsight kind of thing, if, if, if one of your babies was always going to need support, how amazing and perfect that you got a normal physiological birth and that your babies got to be born so beautifully and optimally and then that you also have the um, access to use the system for when it's needed. Like this is a really good example of how it could slash should be, right? Like the system should be there for when our babies are sick and when we need that kind of support, right? And I'm not, I'm not at all taking away from how hard that is. Oh my gosh, of course. But I'm just so, I'm so like grateful that you got normal births and that your babies have those births at their back, you know, how much easier it is to heal and to, um, and to come into this world, even though one of them needed support for 12 days and, and how hard that must've been. Like, thank she, she's arguably so much healthier because of the birth that you had. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's what my doula, I, I leaned on her really hard for support because when these things happen, you go into your own mind and say, what if I caused this? What if it was something I did? I examined my birth photos closely and said, did I? Because somewhere along the way, someone got into my head that it was from delayed cord clamping. No, that makes it, no sense. It doesn't make any sense. What yeah. had happened was, although my twins had two placentas, they fused together. 
And mm. this is something, it's very similar to what happens during twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which happens with identical twins who share a placenta. Mm-hmm. You know, one twin kind of getting more blood and one twin is not. Yeah. What had happened when mine fused is a rogue blood vessel had grown into the other placenta. And I had examined my own placenta and I could see that that's what had happened. So this was Mm -hmm. something that was happening in utero, which is why one baby came out completely white and floppy and the other one was screaming at the top of her lungs. Mm -hmm. But my doula kept, you know, telling me it's not your fault. You know, there's nothing you did, but just be so thankful that you had this birth and she got all, you know, the other baby got all her blood and this baby got all her blood and, you know, everyone had a normal birth and they went through the whole process to keep them healthy. Because, you know, I would see these moms being wheeled down. There was three other sets of twins in the NICU when we were there. And all these moms were being wheeled down to see their babies. And I felt for them because I can't imagine having to go through major surgery and then having to sit with these babies. And you know, I felt thankful that I was up and walking, going back and forth on my own. And I was able to breastfeed so easily. And because you're in the NICU, they have these, you know, steps with feeding that you have to get through. So I never even, once I was able to hold this baby, I never even tried to nurse her because I needed to go home. She was not doing well towards the end of the NICU experience because she wasn't being stimulated. She wasn't feeding well. And it was this whole like issue and I needed to get home. So I just bottle fed her. So I was so worried about the transition from bottle to breastfeeding because she had never nursed in her whole life. She's 12 days old. She'd never seen the breast, nothing. So I get home and I'm so worried. I'm prepared for this to take weeks or months to transition her. And 12 hours later, she was on the breast like she'd never missed a beat. And oh my gosh. now they're eight weeks old and they're the chubbiest, fattest little babies I've ever seen in my whole life. And they are just, they're thriving. And that's another thing I've become kind of really passionate about is telling people that just because you have twins, you can breastfeed. You know, I've, I've had stories of other moms who've had triplets and they're exclusively breastfed. If it's something you want to do, just because there's more than one baby doesn't mean you can't do it. No, absolutely not. And particularly when you've had normal physiological birth, but the, it's not the double baby or the triple baby that that rules out the breastfeeding or the possibility of that success. It's the surgery into multiple weeks of NICU. Yes. That's when it's just arguably almost always impossible when a baby's coming back at right four or five weeks, even six weeks after surgical birth. I'm trying to think, I can't even think of a time where I ever saw that then turn into breastfeeding. So I think women, twin moms I know that really beat themselves up about that. But of course, that's, of course, that's not going to happen. You have had that much time versus your story where you have a physiological birth and your milk has come in because another baby at home is nursing. I mean, thank God for your family because you have everything kind of stacked for you, even in spite of a 12-day separation. Um, you still have the birth you know, to fall back on that sets you guys all up for success and your milk's fully in serving another baby, which is, which is so awesome. Yeah, that's, that's definitely kind of what comes into play is these twin moms, they give birth in the hospital or you know, they have a cesarean 
And then these babies go to the NICU and the NICU is not set up to support breastfeed feeding. Hell it no. could be the most progressive NICU in the entire country being separated. Progressive right? NICU. It's like a oxymoron. Being, being separated from your baby and not having them close and attached to you and being able to offer the breast whenever you want. You're, it's just, right. it makes it that much harder. It's just, you know, you go on these Facebook groups with these twin moms who've had these experiences and it's just, how do I get them to transition to breast? They just, I can't get them away from the bottles and I'm having to give them formula to, cause I'm not yeah. making enough. And it's just, even with me, I think the most interesting thing when I left is although I'm not a first time mom, I had never had twins before. I never had a NICU baby before. I didn't know anything. She was having poor feeding. She was fed off a tube most of the time. No one stopped and said, hey, would you like to see the lactation consultant? Would you like some support before you leave? Would you like, you know, someone to stop in and see if this baby can latch, can nurse, has a tongue or a lip tie, needs assistance? Nothing. The only thing I got was the neonatologist who was doing my discharge paperwork. He looks at me and goes, oh, are you going to make enough for both babies? That's all he said to me. There was nothing. There was no support. No, no one cared if I took this little baby home yeah. and we were able to nurse or not. You know, it, it, it was, it really broke my heart because fortunately for me, mm. I wasn't a first time mom. I had nursed two babies and I knew I could do it. But you saw, you saw how it, how it goes. I saw yeah. how it goes. So it was very mm-hmm. eye opening for Mm-hmm. But now we're, we're, I mean, the NICU is for surviving, not thriving. Yes. It's really the most simple way of putting it. Like it is to literally keep babies alive to the point that they can be brought yes. home. And if it was for thriving, breastfeeding would be an integrated aspect of it. But it's also a giant, giant leap. That's not a word, a giant profitable, um, you know, industry that that is completely based on um, actually keeping the mom out of the picture. Oh yeah, right? I, because it's I have a machine staff and baby. I have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bill that I I know how Whoa. profitable it is, but yeah, it, it's not. My baby did not thrive in the NICU. They helped her, and they you know they set her up for you know being a healthy, normal baby. But she did not thrive from even just the first day she was home. She was a wildly different baby. You know, she now wow. she's being stimulated. She's being picked up. She's being loved. She's being cared for. And she went from this sleepy, miserable little baby who just, you know, was <laughs> floppy and didn't have muscle tone in the NICU, even at 12 yeah. days old. So all of a sudden now she's, of course. you know, doing all the things that she's supposed to. So. We got through. Oh, I'm so proud of you guys. Yeah, it was hard. It it was tough, but we got through it. And there was definitely some feelings I had to work through during the experience. And even after, you know, I couldn't watch my birth video or my birth, you know, pictures for like probably till she was about six weeks old because I just kept doing the what if, what if, what if, what if it was me? What if it was something I did? What? But it wasn't. And now I look back and I know that I gave my baby the best shot of getting over this, oh, yeah. this issue that she had that she did need help for, you know, she... she, You definitely didn't cause it. And she she could have been wildly sicker had I had a different kind of birth. Exactly. Exactly. So you go go through the motions and, you know, I leaned hard on the people around me and people really stepped up and supported our family. We had people coming every day to bring food and 
holding my other baby while I was gone. And, you know, I had fellow birth worker friends who showed up and, you know, just offered support and were there for me to talk. And, you know, people really, you know, stepped in and helped us. And that's what made it okay. You know, not a great Mm -hmm. experience, but it was an okay experience because people really supported us and now we have these two babies and it's like pure chaos like that's so far removed from our brains we just it's I have I always knew I was going to be a twin mom I just didn't know when and I have surrounded myself it's kind of ridiculous how many twin moms are in my circle like it's kind of insane and my whole pregnancy they followed me I went to a birthday party and there was four sets of twins there I went Whoa. recently I went somewhere and there was two, you know, sets of twins towards the end of my pregnancy. It was just everywhere I went, there was twins. It was like the sign. Mm-hmm. And I remember all these twin moms telling me years ago saying, oh man, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. <laughs> Cause although we love these little babies, it is pure madness, <laughs> especially because, you know, with a single thing, you pick that baby up, you put them in the baby carrier and you go about your life. You know, you stick them on the boob when there's a problem. You know, it's just, you're there with your big kids. When you have two, you just can't do it. You can't. And fortunately for me, my husband has been home this whole time. So I haven't had to do this alone because yesterday Mm -hmm. was the first day I was alone for about eight hours and it was hard, (laughs) really hard. You're just picking up one baby, putting the other one down, picking up the other one, putting the other one down. One's sleeping, one's not. It's just... It's a lot. And then you're trying to tandem nurse these babies. Right. And you're nursing them. That's a whole other yeah, thing. Yeah, so wow. one's always attached to you. You know, you got big kids asking for snacks or lunch. And you're like, I haven't eaten in three days. Like You're like, you make me a snack. What are you talking about? Right? Like, <laughs> But you're doing it. But I'm doing it. And, you know, yeah. we're very thankful for a beautiful birth and healthy babies now. Mm-hmm. So we're grateful. Awesome. Well, thank you for the generosity of of sharing your your story and the video that that we posted and and yeah, just for the whole the whole picture of what it's looked like for you. I think you know it's pretty safe to say that the world is a bit starved of of good physiological um, twin birth stories. So I'm really grateful to be able to share yours. Yeah, and I hope people come to this and know that just because you have twins, it, it's not the end all of your, you know, dreams to have a vaginal delivery. It really isn't, you know, Mm -hmm. just like one baby, two babies, you know, for the most part come out, no problem. So, you know, I really hope that people take away from my experience that there are other options and there are other ways to give birth to more than one baby. Um, it, It doesn't have to be the, you know, crushing of your dreams for some amazing birth, you know, even a home birth. Because it's possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm proof that they come out just fine. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. 
Our opening song is by Shy LaRae. And now I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back.